Kaya FM podcast. I am worldly. Kaya FM 95.9. Very good evening to you and welcome to the Law Report. My name is Michael Matoning Bill. You won't guess what I have for you tonight. I'm very excited about tonight's show. I have the man himself, the man behind the decriminalization of Dacha, marijuana, whatever name you call it by cannabis. Um, that's the man who's had a 20-year journey with the courts and trying to deal with the issue of of Dacha. That is Gareth Prince. That's the man himself. He'll be joining me. And most importantly, not only can you listen to tonight's show, but you can also watch us because we'll be streaming live. If you go to uh, www.kaifm, you'll be able to watch us live as as he joins me in studio. He'll be um, we'll be starting on that um, at around 10 past. 10 past 8 so you can look forward to talking to the man himself so not only will we be covering what this means for you why it's important how is the world order is now going to be given the the confirmation by the constitutional court but we're getting deeper to understand the man the tenacity the ability of a man to pursue a fight for so many years um, 20 years is, is by no means um, um, a short period of time. So you can look forward to that. And, and, and also, I do look forward to your telephone calls. You can give us a call 86 And we're going to be taking not only videos, but we're going to be taking a lot of pictures. So if you go to my Twitter handle, you'll be able to catch some of those pics um, of the man himself. And interestingly, I'm going to get you a picture of the man 20 years ago and get you a picture of the man uh, today. So that's Prince for you in a space of 20 years um, different faces, but same fight. Interesting man indeed. So I look forward to that. So you can look forward to um, getting some of those snaps by going to my Twitter handle at Matoning Bill. That's my Twitter handle at Matoning Bill. For now, however, I just want to talk to um, an attorney or an advocate just to get the dynamics of how this then translates into your everyday engagements and particularly looking at it from a labor law point of view. I'm joined on the line by Advocate uh, Vessels. Uh, Advocate Vessels is Director and Labor Law Expert at Strata G Lab. Advocate Vessels, good evening to you and thank you so much for talking to us. Good evening and thank you for having me. Well, you know, it's, you know the law, like, like most things, like technology, uh, like progress, like different viewpoint changes and 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 i think um between you know uh, yesterday and 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 from the time that the various high courts ruled on this matter we've been seeing this change and and for most people it's it's welcomed and for some it's not welcome but curiously is how does this then affect the workplace and i suppose a good starting point is that what does this mean from an employee employee relationship yeah, I think it's uh, the Constitutional Court's order to decriminalize uh, decriminalize DACA for personal use. Um, many of the view that it won't really affect the employment uh, relationship or rules and regulations that companies have in place regarding the use of DACA. But there are some of us that believe that it will definitely have an impact on the employment relationship. And mm. whilst there are a lot of people that are rejoiced about the decision, um, there are also those that are concerned about it. And we, we also have to keep in mind that in the past, many employers and, and I mean our state, our law enforcement, have treated the use of DACA or the possession of DACA or the um, cultivation of DACA as a, crim- a criminal act. And what this now effectively is going to mean going forward is that employers that had in their policies and procedures that you're not allowed to report for work um, with traces of an illegal narcotic in your system is a dismissible offense, will now have to effectively 
effectively review those policies and their approach to testing employees for the use of, of cannabis or dacha in the workplace. Because as we stand now, it was very easy in the past to conduct tests, be it a urine test, a blood test, saliva test, to determine whether or not somebody had narcotics in their system. But as we stand, there's no real scientific way of determining when somebody is really under the influence of Dacha. And that is basically the recourse or, or, or the rule that's going to change within the workplace. Um, many of us know that you can light up a joint on a, on a Saturday, for example, and are still test positive for having um, traces of THC, mm. um, the cannabinoid, in your system a couple of days afterwards. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how employers or, or organizations are going to deal with this issue in the workplace going forward. And I, and I suppose as well, I mean, um, it, it, cannabis tends to have a different effect on different people. But for, for some people, you'd find that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference when they smoke or didn't smoke, whereas with alcohol, for example, somebody's smiling in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, and I, I think it's, it's very much, you, you, you're now in a situation where you're going to treat it very much like alcohol. But I mean, I, I was about to make the point before I, 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 I went laughing, but, you know, with alcohol, there's, 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 there's a lot of things that we've been able to tell, even before the science, the science comes in. If somebody walks in intoxicated into, into a workplace, they're sort of things that uh, give them away, slurry speech, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and as the, the other difficulty with cannabis, for example, is that some people can act 100% normal even uh, after smoking. And I, and I think it all comes down to use at the end of the day. Mm. Um, it's the same as a lot of people do a business lunch and they opt to have a drink during the business lunch. Mm. The fact that you've now consumed a glass of alcohol, um, you might have it in your system, but you won't necessarily pick up that the person is so intoxicated that they're now unfit to perform their duties. Um, and the same is going to apply with the use of cannabis. Um, you are going to get people that might use over the weekend and you pick up um, only later on. But, you know, if somebody now wants to take this and say, you know what, this is legal, it's no longer illegal, nothing can happen to me, and they go on a full-on stench and, you know, light up one too many, you are also going to be able to pick up signs where somebody acts out of the ordinary um, because the effect that it has on people vary um, depending on each individual. Some people start having cravings, some people start hallucinating, and those are still observations that you will be able to pick up within uh, a working environment. I'm not sure if, if this is a fair question to put to you, but it, it seems that the, the judgment makes emphasis on private use. And, um, and, and I'm trying, and, 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 and so, and, and it seems that there's, there's sort of something that, so in that statement is um, a, an opposite statement to say you can't do it in public, so you can't smoke in public. And, and I'm wondering how stretched can that definition of private use can be, if my understanding uh, is correct at the first level. How stretched can that be? So, for example, can I, can I smoke uh, in my office, uh, which, is, which is a private environment? Um, and can I smoke in my office if it's shared with other people, but I, I've got a demarcated office, for example? Um, yeah, look. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and that, that's going to be the question to be determined ultimately by Parliament mm. um, because it's, it's going to be for Parliament to put legislation in place that's still going to regulate the use of cannabis within uh, a private space. And our understanding is mostly that it can be used in your private dwelling, so in the privacy of your own home. Um, an office environment, be it that you have your own office, can hardly be regarded as... Um, you know, your own private space because that's ultimately the workspace and there's a whole lot of other people that um, gain access to the workplace, members of the public, um, clients, etc. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to see how, what rules and regulations are going to be put in place to regulate it. Because as much as one would be entitled to make use of, of cannabis um, in, in private, um, the, you, you're still going to have some limitations in as far as how much can you have because it's only the use thereof and the cultivation thereof for private consumption that has been decriminalized. All other aspects um, are still criminal acts. You can't deal in it, you can't um, trade in it, those kind of things. So how, what rules and regulations are going to be put in place, we'll have to wait and see. And, and the other thing that, 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 that I'm dying to sort of uh, ask you is, you know, if you think, for example, um, uh, most companies are liberal when it comes to drinking, um, so they wouldn't, you know, uh, they, they wouldn't, some companies don't regulate drinking and they don't say you can't drink at this time or that time. And I, and I think part of the, at the heart of the, uh, of the litigation uh, on, on this issue was the fact that there's a level of hypocrisy in the sense that somebody who gets intoxicated from the use of alcohol is treated differently from somebody that gets intoxicated from the use of, of cannabis. And, and, and it'd be quite interesting to see how then liberal companies, companies that are not against drinking in the workplace, how they would then embrace um, the, um, the use of cannabis uh, or, or, or somebody being under the influence of cannabis um, uh, in the workplace, even though they might have consumed it uh, privately. Yeah, I think that's it's going to be interesting to see, and I think depending on on what organisation, what industry you work for, um, businesses are going to deal with um, the use of cannabis very differently. But I think it's very important for us to still know and understand that in terms of the occupational health and safety legislation that we have, there is an obligation that is placed on both employers and employees and stakeholders within business to still ensure a safe working environment. Mm. And that's critical. You can't have somebody or, or in the workspace that is operating heavy, heavy machinery or is giving consumers yeah. financial I mean, I think that's, that, that, that's an obvious one, but what I'm proposing is, is the less obvious one or the proposition I'm putting is, is an environment you can just think even here at KFM. Um, it's it's a liberal environment where there isn't the operation of heavy machinery. Um, if if I had had a glass of wine uh, coming into the studio, nobody would would raise an eyebrow, uh, yeah. provided I, I I maintain a level of professionalism. Um, yes. And 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 I'm just wondering then if if in the same example that I've painted, it it was not um, wine, it was instead cannabis, um, and and maybe remove it from KFM and go to in a, a similar work environment. I, I, I see a lot of litigation coming forward insofar as this issue is concerned about equal treatment. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think um, alcohol and the use of, of substance or, or, or cannabis has always kind of been treated um, the same, except for the fact that the use was previously illegal. Um, but if you look at the simple example, like you mentioned, you can have a glass of wine and you can still continue doing your, your work and, you know, it's not frowned upon. The same thing is now going to apply to the use of cannabis. You might have um, use Daha and then report for duty and still be fit to perform your, um, your duties that mm. you're required to perform. And it's all about whether or not the amount of use will render you unfit to perform those duties and responsibilities that you were employed for. If you look at the Road Traffic Act, for example, you are, nothing prohibits you from having a beer or a glass of wine um, at dinner, getting in your car and driving. Um, you get stopped in a roadblock, and if they do an alcohol test, they might find 0.02% in your bloodstream. That doesn't mean that you've committed a criminal act, mm. even though you have been drinking. And I think the same principles that we apply today with the use of alcohol is going to apply in future with the use of, of cannabis. Advocate Vessels, let me just ask, you know, one of, the, one of the interesting things about this judgment is I understand it to be saying that the dealing in cannabis is not decriminalized. In other words, it's still, it's still considered an act of criminality. And, 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 and it, doesn't it create further problems? Because surely, just as much as I don't want to plant my own potatoes, I may not want to cultivate my own marijuana. I might want to buy marijuana and enjoy the same convenience as I enjoy with my other vegetables. Is that not sort of leading us into another problem? It is, and, that, and that's why it's going to be um, Parliament's responsibility when they have to review the legislation and make the amendments to deal with all these issues and regulate it. If you take, for example, um, cannabis oil that a lot of people have been using for medicinal reasons mm. um, over the last years, the use thereof is permitted, provided that you follow the right process in as far as obtaining cannabis oil is concerned. So you can get it at a pharmacy and there's a prescript or script and you have the um, pharmacy has a license to dispense of it, etc. So it's going to be interesting to see what rules and regulations are put in place. Um, there's also suggestions that a, a limitation might be put, put on to say, when I do a certain test, be it a blood test or saliva test, because um, that is more accurate than a urine test, for example, um, if there is a certain amount found in your bloodstreams, it might be deemed that you are intoxicated. Mm. You know, as, as, as you're speaking, I'm, I was, I'm thinking of my conversation with the Minister of Health, uh, Dr. Aran Mutualedi, and we were talking about vapors and cigarettes and how how, you know, the, the use of these products puts a strain on our, on our health system and, 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 and perhaps another discussion um, is warranted insofar as the position of the Department of Health when it comes to this issue. But back to you and, and, and back to y your area of, of interest, which is labor law. Do you see a lot of um, litigation arising out of this from a labor law point of view or do you see this just sort of coming into the system and, and seamlessly um, being integrated and embraced by employers? 
I, I think we can anticipate a lot more of legislation going forward. Yeah. Um, in the past, you know, it was very seldom that you would find yourself in a position where um, you would litigate on these matters. We we often found that employees that tested posi- positive um, for TH for having traces of THC in their system would not really go to the CCMA or dispute resolution forums because of the fact that it was an illegal substance. Yeah. And now you hear dealing with a legal substance. We also have to keep in mind that there, um, that Schedule 8 of the, the Code of Good Practice that deals with dismissals in the LRA um, also makes provision for incapacity due to substance. So where somebody admits, listen, I have an alcohol problem, for example, mm. or now you might have people claiming that they have a substance abuse problem and how you are now going to effectively deal with those issues. Because once somebody has a problem and they recognize it, then you sh- there's a different process in dealing with it. And it's not as simple as merely putting into a hearing and getting dismissed. Um, so, yeah, I think we, it's going to be interesting to see how how different organizations are going to deal with it and what the litigation is that's going to come from it. Uh, perhaps uh, a question not so much for myself, but, but, but really for somebody that might be sitting out there having been dismissed for this thing. What does it mean if you were dismissed, say, two years ago for the use of cannabis? Or, or, or for testing positive for cannabis and, and, and now this law comes into play or, or this judgment comes into play. Um, what does it mean, if, it, if anything, uh, to, to individuals such as that? Um, unfortunately, for, for those individuals, they'll still face the law as it was at the time of committing that particular act. Um, you, I think the, the Constitutional Court quite um, rightly so stated that to implement this um, decriminalization, so to speak, um, with retrospective effect would just cause chaos in our judicial system. Um, so where in the past, prior to, to the Concord and prior to legislation being amended, um, people were still found or, or uh, to have traces of, of, of cannabis in their system or, uh, you know, the, still feels the brunt of the law as it was at the time prior to this, this outcome being made. Well, let me, let me thank you um, for talking to us. I really appreciate the time and the insights that you've shared with us today. Thank you so much, um, Advocate thank Vessels. You. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Right. Now, now when we come back from the break, um, we're now going to have for you uh, the man himself, Prince. Uh, that's the man behind um, the issue that everybody's talking about this week. Um, which is the decriminalization of marijuana. And you can stream, um, you can watch us by going to kfm.co.za. The show will be streaming live. That's my guest in the next two, three, four, five seconds. We're back up to Stay tuned. Stay tuned to Kaya FM for more.